Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 320th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on way to win it! Where's he? Five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to him, long outside shot, short, rebounded, May! It's over! And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys this afternoon. Here to recap another Hubert Davis press conference as he met with the media before the Tar Heels depart for Tallahassee. They'll take on the Florida State Seminoles tomorrow at 2 p.m. over on ESPN. I'll walk you through all the major talking points from uh, Carolina's uh, Carolina basketball's head coach meeting today with the media. A lot of interesting things. Uh, he talked about during his 15-minute session with um, the assembled writers, journalists, and all uh, of, of, of those folks. So um, before we do that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And today, we go to a pod thought um, from Bill Belichick, legendary football coach um, who's currently unemployed as he's looking for a new job in the NFL. And his pod thought is, quote, talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. There's no denying that Carolina basketball always has talent. And that's why their floor is generally, at bare minimum, they're an NCAA tournament team. But the character of the talent really determines the ceiling. Um, And this is a group that's supremely talented, supremely gifted, and has all the ability in the world to win a lot of basketball games and play deep into March because they've got good character. They've got good basketball character, good people character, 
Um, this is a group of you know k- k- kids that we love on the floor, and I think we're learning to love off the floors. We get to see their personalities and the way that they handle themselves as everyday human beings, and um, it's really fun when you're when you're winning, but you're winning with a good group of kids, a fun group of kids, um, and that's what and that's what this group is. I think it's why it's been easy for us to wrap our arms around them, to embrace them, um, to love them, and to support them no matter what because they play the game the right way um, and they they have good intentions on and off the basketball court. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be harder to get the right group every year with the transfer portal going to overhaul your roster seemingly every year. But as we're learning this year, when you've got good kids with good character – um, you can win at the highest level in men's college basketball. Well, as we, we've been talking about, Carolina is preparing for Florida State. They'll be at, at the Tucker Center tomorrow afternoon. All time against the Knowles, Carolina is 54-16. and 16, So they've enjoyed quite a bit of success against FSU, including having won the last three matchups in the series and 12 of the last 16. And, as we talked about getting you ready for the game in the official preview pod, the Tucker Center is, is, an, is not an easy place to go win a basketball game at. Um, and then Carolina uh, has, as I've seen good teams go in there and get the, the their doors blown off. A 2012 team that made the final, or made the Elite Eight, excuse me, uh, lost by 33 there to open up conference play. Um, and Carolina has an 18-8 and record all time at the Tucker Center which is healthy, but this will be a pretty crazed environment, and their fan base will be excited to hopefully cheer their team on to an upset as they desperately need one if they want any hopes of making the NCAA tournament. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into today's press conference that Huber Davis held uh, shortly before Carolina was set to depart for the uh, the Sunshine State, and this is the second matchup between the two. And as we did in the in the preview pod, we took a look back at the first matchup. And, you know, in the first matchup, Florida State had a 14-point lead at one point in the second half before Carolina would go on a 22-point run to change the dynamics and eventually the outcome of the game. And Coach Davis was asked how Florida State was able to build that lead in the Smith Center. We, we weren't very good defensively. Um, we, were, uh, we weren't impactful on the ball. Uh, we weren't protecting the paint. And I think the communication defensively was good in the half court. We allowed to get them in um, in transition. And even though shooting from from three is not one of their major strengths, I, I felt like we gave them not only open shots, but almost dare threes. They were wide open threes. And um, I don't know if it's the most all season, but they hit 12 threes against us. And so that's something that... Uh, I feel and hope that we've improved on since that, that, that time and that we can be better locked in defensively and, and, and not be down 14 in the second half like we were here at home. I think one of the things that made it, I guess, more easy to accept that deficit, it wasn't that Carolina wasn't playing hard. It wasn't that Carolina wasn't invested. It was just simply they weren't executing. They weren't making shots. They weren't getting stops. Florida State made 12 threes in that game. At one point in the second half, they were shooting over 50% from behind the three-point line. 
So it, it almost kind of made sense that Carolina was down as much as they were down, given the way that Florida State was shooting and given the way Carolina was shooting. This wasn't one of those fluky type of games that you just couldn't quite figure out why Carolina was down so much. Florida State played really, really good for about 26, 28 minutes. And then Carolina played extremely good for about 12 minutes, and they were able to overcome overcome that deficit. So, and I think that's why you look at this matchup and Carolina's undefeated in conference play. Um, this this game feels tricky. It's the first opponent that you've seen twice, and it's also an opponent that had you down 14 in your home gym. Um, and even though they, they blew the game, Florida State has grown. They've improved. They're not the same team they were back in early December. There will be a level of confidence that they'll be able to start the game out with that simply no other team has had against Carolina um, because no other team has played Carolina twice and no other team has had Carolina down 14 points in a game that they would eventually go on to lose. So um, to, 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 to keep in, in conversation with this first matchup, Coach Davis was asked what they learned about the first matchup that they'll need to carry over into this one. Well, I mean, you know, from – you know, from an offensive standpoint, it's really important for us, you know, uh, ball and player movement. You know, when they're so long and athletic, they switch everything on and off the ball. They take you a, a, a lot out of, you know, your just regular um, offensive sets and you have to create. And it's just really important for us to get out in transition. It's very important for us um, to drive and get to the basket and not necessarily score, but draw defenders and then be able to pass out and, and, and then be able to shoot threes and, and, and create shots off the dribble drive. And so I, and we got to take care of basketball. I mean, it's a team that leads the ACC and, and, and steals turnovers and, you know, their length in the passing lanes, you know, can bother you if you're not um, moving on the offensive end. And then defensively, we just got to rebound the basketball. They're going to go to the offensive glass. They're going to try to attack the basket. They do a, a terrific job of getting to the free throw line. I think they're second in free throw attempts behind us. And so we've got to be locked in defensively and, and finish the defense without fouling and, and boxing out and getting the rebound. I think you'll see Carolina be a little bit more prepared. I think they were caught off guard by how aggressive Florida State was, how physical Florida State was. Because they saw a 4-2 and two record and a team that lost at home to a mid-major. Probably weren't expecting to get that fight that they got from Florida State out of the gate. This game's in Florida State's backyard. It's in their home gym. And even though they're 6-2 and two in the league and 12-7 you know, and seven overall, 13-7 and seven overall, they need a win like this to really start to build an NCAA tournament resume and a case to be among the 68 teams that compete for a national championship. And so, um, you know, you're, you you know what you get from a Leonard Hamilton team. They're going to be sound defensively. They lead the ACC in steals. They have length that can bother and alter shots at the rim. And they've, they've got a multitude of dudes that can put the ball in the basket offensively. And so, um, you know, I think Carolina – We'll have Florida State scouted better, know what they do better, and have a better game plan put together for when the game does tip off. A big reason why Florida State is where they are is Jameer Watkins, who's enjoying a sensational season so far. And Coach Davis was asked how they can 
slow down one of Florida State's top scorers. You know, his talent is real. Um, tremendous athleticism and size. You know, he can play multiple positions. You know, the thing for him is he's just really good at attacking a basket. And because of his athleticism, he's able to score uh, when he gets there and gets to the paint. So that's a huge emphasis on us is to keep him out of the paint, but also defend him without fouling. He'll attack the <laughs> offensive glass. And against us, I think he had two or three threes. And, you know, that's... Um, something that just continues to improve for him. And so he's one of you know the better players in this conference, and you know he has our full attention tomorrow at 2 p.m. One thing we've seen Coach Davis do in ACC play is you use multiple defenders on a team's best player. You saw it against Blake Henson of Pittsburgh, P.J. Hall of, of Clemson, uh, D.J. Burns of NC State. Didn't do it the other night against Wake Forest because the way you had to match up with Wake Forest, but expect this to be a game where Jameer Watkins sees Seth Trimble, sees Cormac Ryan, maybe he sees Harrison Ingram, just to run some different bodies at him, um, keep fresher defenders on him, but try to wear him down as opposed to him wearing them down. And um, you know he's a, he's a special player. He's an athletic player. That could do a lot of things. He can get to the rim. He can score in the mid-range. Of course, every player now nowadays can step on the three-point line and make a shot. So he's gonna have, he's gonna provide a challenge, and Carolina is going to have their hands full. But what you like about this team and what we love about this team is when these types of situations arise, Carolina's best defensive players are up to the challenge, and they've done a really good job limiting their opponent's best players from having a big night, career night, to allow them to take down and beat Carolina. Uh, really, since this game, Carolina has been on an upward trajectory, uh, tra- trajectory defensively, despite you know the UConn and the, the Kentucky losses that followed the first win over Florida State. Carolina's up you know, inside the top five in Ken Palm defensively per 100 possessions. They defend the three-point line as well as any team, not just in the ACC, but in all of college basketball. And Coach Davis was asked about what has fueled their defensive turnaround. Well, one, I think the, the, the commitment to how important it is for our success. You know, I talked to them at great length about, you know, there needs to be a commitment in terms of defense and rebounding to put ourselves in a position to be successful. And so it's really on the players, their commitment to how important it is to our success. Then, you know, you know, with our ability defensively, we've got a number of guys, you know, we can play, you know, we're versatile defensively. We can, uh, we can play a number of different positions um, that I think really helps us. And then our rebounding, right? You mentioned about our defense, our rebounding has improved as well. I think it's nine straight games that we've out-rebounded an opponent. So we're limiting teams to one shot every possession. We're protecting the paint, but we're also doing two things. We're protecting the paint, but we're also um, contesting the three as well. And so um, Mondo just uh, a couple days ago said, Coach, this is the most fun that I've ever had playing defense. Like, I'm, I'm really liking this. I, I'm, like, getting energized to get stops, and I think that's a good thing. You hear me talk about this all the time, and, you can teach technique. You can take. You can teach di- different styles. None of it matters if there's not a buy-in. 
Defense is largely 90% effort and then 10% talent, skill, and execution. And as you heard in that quote, your fifth-year player is enjoying playing defense, is getting energized from getting stops. And that permeates, man. And that's something that I think you can see does exist up and down this team is that they feed off of getting stops. And it's why they hold teams scoreless for three minutes or five minutes in what feels like every game now. Um, and the, the, the trust is there. The communication is there. But more importantly, there's a buy-in there. There's a commitment there. I don't question anymore if Carolina is going to show up on that end of the floor. I don't question if there's buy-in on that end of the floor. This group's committed. Um, you see that every time they step on the basketball court. And to be honest with you, it's the reason why they've they've really put themselves in a position to be a legitimate national champion. Because they, they're a good offensive team. I wouldn't say great because they don't shoot it all that well from behind the three-point line. But you, know, you got to be able to defend and get stops come March. And this team definitely has the mold of a group that can overwhelm teams defensively come the NCAA tournament. Um, and that's something that teams that usually win national championships, they have the, the ability to do just that. Another thing that's really improved as the season's moved along has been Carolina's bench, headlined by Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers, and Jalen Washington. And Hubert talked about how they've improved as the season's gotten longer. The guys coming off the bench, when their number is called, they're ready. And they're making impactful plays on both ends of the floor. And um, we have won games because of our bench and uh, the guys coming off the bench. And um, it's, um, it's a great benefit for us to have that much talent and that versatility. And that's something that we're going to have to use tomorrow against Florida State. Hearing him say that they've won games because of their bench is not something we've heard him say his first two years. And didn't know if he was going to be saying it this year. I really thought after those back-to-back losses to Oklahoma, to Kentucky, we were getting Iron Five or, or Iron Five Hubert Davis, where he was going to play his starters and, and, and maybe put Trimble or Washington or Jalen Withers in there uh, occasionally. Not the case. Two or, you know... Whether the combination is, you know, Trimble Withers, Trimble Washington, or Washington um, Withers, two of them are playing double-digit minutes virtually every night. Usually headlined by Seth Trimble, who is generally the first man off the bench. But you know, I talked about it in the Boston College game, talked about it in the weight game, talked about it in this game. I like our bench better than the opponent's bench, and if we got to get into their bench and get them in foul trouble. I, I, I think it benefits us more than it does, you know, some of these other teams because Carolina's best perimeter defender comes off the bench, that being Seth Trimble. You know, one of Carolina's best rebounders comes off the bench, that being Jalen Withers. Uh, Carolina's best floor spacer comes off the bench, being Jalen Washington. So they all know they, they they all know their role. They all know what's expected of them. They all play within themselves and. Um, you know, we, we, it was the biggest task that Hubert had all preseason long was to develop a legitimate rotation. He's done that, and I don't think it's a mistake or an accident that his team is 16-3 and three and undefeated in ACC play. 
One thing we talked about a lot during the Roy Williams era was his use or lack thereof of timeouts. If you're a long listener to the pod, going back to our Roy's Boys days, or even in the early part of the Four Corners days, if you know me, I don't believe in calling timeouts. Uh, I firmly believe that players put themselves in the, in the situations that they get themselves into. They should get themselves out. You get eight free t- uh, free timeouts as it is. So if you're not, if, if the message isn't being, you know, conveyed in those eight timeouts, another extra four isn't going to do anything. But coach was asked about if he does feel inclined to save his timeouts um, if a team goes on a run in a big game. No, I, if I feel like I need to call a timeout, I'll call a timeout. But I mean, if we're falling behind, I, I, I think everybody knows why we're falling behind. We're either not playing defense or we're missing shots or not executing. And so, but if, if I feel like it's in the best interest of our team to call timeout, I'll call timeout. Well, you know, uh, one thing he does, other than Roy Williams, he does he does use his user or lose it timeout to end the first half. If he has the opportunity to do so, he'll call timeout and try to set up a last, you know, a, a last second play. But uh, you know, we have seen him call timeouts during his first two and a half years, and other instances where Roy Williams just wouldn't have called timeout. Um, and I think it's every coach finding his way, finding out what works for him, and also how you know how it benefits your group. You know, if you're younger, it's probably okay for you to call a timeout. This group's older, so you probably trust them to play through a bad stretch or two um, and come out okay for it on the other side. And, um, you know, I think it's something that Hubert Davis played for a coach that didn't call a lot of timeouts, and he was mentored by a coach that didn't call a lot of timeouts. So it it makes a lot of sense that Hubert Davis himself, not a big user of his four timeouts he's given every game. His last question you're going to hear a coach speak answer, but I'll really explain to you what the answer would should have been, what it truly is, but he couldn't he couldn't really say it out loud. As he was asked about what has been the biggest obstacle this team had to overcome this season. The biggest obstacle? I mean, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't look at it that way. I, I, I look at, you know, what a, a joy and a, and a blessing – to be able to be around this group of guys every day. I just I just enjoy coaching them. I, I enjoy having relationships with them. I enjoy walking through this journey with them and being in a position to help and to serve and walk alongside them is something that brings me great joy and it's a tremendous blessing. And so I don't look at coaching and I don't look at this group as obstacles. I look at it as a blessing and an opportunity. The, the, the biggest obstacle was the chemistry because we had to find out if it was real or not. Because um, you thought in the summertime, as much as he talked about it, like Hubert Davis is a positive guy. We didn't know last year the team was broken and the team was definitely broken. This group isn't. When he says this group is together, they enjoy playing for each other. They enjoy playing for one another. He's not lying. But that was the biggest obstacle, was did the roster that he and his staff put together, did it fit? Did it did it mold? Was it, and was it going to work? That answer is yes. Um, and he doesn't want to say, you know, because last year he doesn't want to throw Caleb Love under the bus or 
Dontrez Styles, Puff Johnson, Tyler Nickel, whoever it is, the last year's team didn't fit. They weren't they weren't a group. They didn't play for one another like this group plays for one another. And uh, you know, I think that's as as much a reason as any is why this this group is fun to watch. And you know, I think it's why they are where they are right now. And they're only going to keep don't going to keep getting hungrier because this specific group only has one run at it. That's just the nature of the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, they, they hit on everybody that they brought in, and it's been a lot of fun watching this team become a team, win together as a team, lose together as a team, grow together as a team, um, and in the process remind us that they are a team worth cheering for, a team worth supporting, and a team worth investing two hours of your life, you know, twice a week during the winter months. Well, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, do encourage you to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com. You find a, a preview of the way of the Florida State game on the website. I'll be back later on Saturday afternoon recapping the win or the loss um, as I continue to take you through the college basketball season. Football side of things, Anthony breaks down the 2024 schedule. Identify some players that Carolina should be interested in in the transfer portal as he continues to cover the football program um, as closely as he can during the heart of basketball season. And, of course, with it being the heart of basketball season, top five basketball team, the majority of our focus and the primary uh, focus will be covering Carolina basketball, and rightfully so. Speaking of which, you can find the podcast on every major podcasting platform. Simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!